You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Have you seen the men's health section in any magazine aisle in like a store? It's full of dudes just like posing. And it's like, that is beauty. You might not want to call that beauty, but like that is beauty. That is 100% the beauty industry. Men care about that stuff, regardless of whether or not they want to admit it. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire. I'm your host, India Jackson, and today I'm recording on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is also known as Maryland, United States of America. So you may have noticed that I don't post as much as I used to on Instagram, but every now and then I'll log in, I'll look around, and I love knowing what you all are up to. Um, One of my favorite things is to really be able to take in some of the content that you're putting out there and amplify that. I logged in a couple of weeks ago and one of my community members posted something that really grabbed my attention. You know, fashion is a part of our normal everyday life. Whether you love fashion, you're up to date with trends, or you're minimalist, or just none of the above, and you realize you got to wear clothes. It's something we do every day. But this member posted a video that went into some of the lesser known history of fashion. And they explored gendered colors and clothing such as dresses and heels. And there was this extra piece where they also kind of cover the role that capitalism and power plays into how we are here today and what we think is, you know, for certain groups of people and what is not for certain groups of people. Today, I'm joined by guest E.K. Powell for a conversation held live inside our online home, the Pause in the Play community. I mean, this is really where I'm hanging out most of the time these days. And inside the community, you can ask questions for me to explore, share your thoughts in the chat as an exclusive benefit for paid subscribers. And so this live conversation was held in that way. And you can learn more about that community by visiting pauseontheplay.com. EK always comes up with just wonderful videos that get you thinking, um, whether they're educational about history and just things that have piqued his interest or are going into what his core content is. So let me tell you about EK. My guest EK Powell 
and member of iCommunity is a social media influencer who specializes in talking about African-American English. After learning in Spanish, he wanted to give something back to the language learning community, which helped him tremendously in the process, as well as demonstrate to both English learners and native speakers that there are many valid ways to speak English. So true. You can find him on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram under the name What's Good English. And I can't wait to share this conversation with you. I mean, we talk about so much and, you know, I really do think that the history of things and being aware of that can influence the decisions that we make today and how we decide what we want our norms to be. But before we get this conversation started, I want to note that, as I said previously, this episode is going to mention gender norms. It's going to mention power, capitalism. And there's no way that we talk about those things without also having things like bullying and hate come up. So if you need to, feel free to pause here um, and maybe even grab some earbuds or headphones if you see fit before digging in any further. All right, let's get this conversation on the road. It's been beautiful to witness the rabbit holes that you go down and that you've had like the courage and tenacity to like show up and share those rabbit holes with people because so often we can have the story that if our brand is known for this thing, we can't talk about something else. I'm really curious if you could share what inspired you to start digging into fashion and masculinity and the history of fashion. Yeah. Um, so this all started with a little bit of nail polish. Actually, a little bit before that, um, my my nails, are, I usually have them like a little bit long just because, I mean, I've been like that ever since I was a kid. I mean, like I will forget to clip my nails or whatever. And like in one of my videos, um, someone made a comment uh, about my nails being long. It's like, oh, you need to cut your nails or something like that. And I just like responded to the comment. I don't even remember what I said like weeks go by and um there was a video that another tiktoker made um a woman made it this video about her son who was getting bullied in school because you know he wanted to paint his nails black and like something else and you know he was thinking of killing himself and it was like wow and she was like you know i know i need the men of tiktok you know to show my son that you know it's okay to paint your nails it's okay if, if you're gay or whatever it's okay to have long hair all this stuff and one of my followers that saw my video of me just talking about having longer nails tagged me in that video and i went out to the target and i got some black nail polish and i painted my nails that same night recorded a video it's like hey look ain't nothing wrong with painting your nails it's fine and you know it started with that and I would just get these comments, you know, when I had, you know, the fingernail polish songs, I was like, I'm not going to go through all that and paint my nails and like, just take it off immediately. <laughs> so random people would comment stuff like, oh, you know, men shouldn't paint their nails. It's one of my favorite comments that I still haven't made a video response to, but it's come up so many times when it's like, you can't trust a man that cares more about beauty than strength or something like that. What? And I'm like. <laughs> Have you seen the men's health section in like any magazine aisle in like a store? It's full of dudes just posing and, you know, it's like, that is beauty. 
Like, you might not want to call that beauty, but like, that is beauty. That is 100% the beauty industry. You care about that stuff. You know, like, I, I used to be one of those gym bros. And like, being in the gym, you see all the other dudes like secretly, you know, checking each other out. Like, oh, I get my arms like that. I get my legs like that. It's like straight up walking up to other guy. Like, how'd you do that? Like, let me see that, you know, you, you see like the different fitness influencers, the male fitness influencers always like sitting somewhere, like leaning back with their shirt off, just, you know, posing in some type of way. Like, your content is aimed at men. Why are you like putting out this Adonis for like other dudes to see? Because men care about that stuff, regardless of whether or not they want to admit it. So yeah, that's sort of how I got into this rabbit hole because I was like, all right, well, look, why why did people start wearing nail polish anyway? So I looked it up with the aid of like a couple other TikTokers and some of my followers. And it's like, uh, I think it was like 3000 BC or something like that. These Babylonian warriors, they would paint their nails black to like intimidate, you know, their enemies on the battlefields, like as to make them look like crazier and like more manly and like they're just deadlier or whatever. I don't know, but it's like, it, it didn't start with women. It's like men were doing that stuff. Men also did it as a way to like show social status. Really all of the stuff gets tied into like a huge conversation about male flight and how as soon as like a few women start to get into something, men just kind of like shove it to the side and leave it alone. Like the nail polish, with the high heels, with dresses, with everything. Yeah, what's interesting to me as as somebody who takes in your content on social media and shares as well from Pause and Play's account, I noticed that a lot of the comments that you were getting were coming from other men, but you know, as a woman, and not to necessarily fall into the gender binary binary with that, um, it's like there's so many women coming back and saying your nails are glorious, they're beautiful. Like I wish I could have nails like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of a weird <laughs> dynamic happening there of like two very opposing opinions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like I've I've made like some videos, like I mean, like a video responding to one of the fitness and tour guys saying, like, you know, don't believe women when they say they, they like dad bods. It's like, but but they do, like they keep like you keep on going counter to this because it's not what you expect or because you bought into this one idea of masculinity, which like was something created by men for men. <laughs> like, you know, women were not shipping none of that. <laughs> for those who keep asking, like keep getting into my comments, like I, I have no nail routine. I don't do anything special. They just do this. That's just, that's just what they do. Like they grow in this way and like they're harder and they don't, pray. I, I don't know. Like women have hated me my entire life when I tell them. <laughs> It's so glorious. <laughs> You're right. Though, like the women in my comments would be like, "Oh, your nails are so good." Like they would always leave me compliments about my nails, and it's the dudes that would be like, "Oh, you shouldn't do that." Like men shouldn't wear nail polish. It's like, but why? Like, do you not see? Like, look through the comments. Scroll through the comments. Like you, you are leaving so much on the table because you want to believe in something that was sold to you. You know. Uh, not something that's natural, not something that the people that you're trying to attract, like actually are saying they like, you want this ideal that you have in your head that does not actually exist in the real world. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about things that you can buy in a store or online, but the thing with the nails is like, 
it literally grows out of your body. So can we just pause for a moment and acknowledge that all humans have nails, no matter how they identify, we naturally grow nails. <laughs> Unless there's some type of deficiency or something like that or condition, all humans grow nails. So why are we policing something that naturally grows out of a human body? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's nothing more natural than like it's coming out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that we can buy in a store, you began to dig into some of the history of fashion. And I think that the rabbit holes that you've gone down there have will blow a lot of people's minds and like really open up them to reconsidering what they think about wardrobe and so many other pieces of how that's linked into capitalism and gender binary. Um, one of the things that you've talked about that has been really close to like my heart and my educational background is colors. And I was wondering if you could share the gendering of colors, because one of the pieces that you've dug into is like pink versus blue and how we even got there, pink being for girls and blue being for boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was super interesting. I, I can't remember what specifically, like, I, I think I was trying to look up some information to respond to one of my commenters, and I ended up looking up like how pink became the color for for. I want to say for boys because that's what it was originally pushed for <laughs> um, but like how pink and blue like ended up being like for for girls and boys or whatever and i had remembered like a video from vox and they were talking about maybe eisenhower you know scrolling through the internet looking up the stuff doing the research like i kept on seeing this picture of this kid in a dress and i you know didn't like read the caption or anything but like the same picture just kept coming up and like i finally looked at the caption and it's, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, what's going on with this? And then so I, I start reading the story. I think uh, there was an article from Medium. There was an article from the Smithsonian that was talking about basically like children didn't used to have like any gender. Like we didn't associate gender with children up until they were around like six or seven years old. So when you had a kid, you just put them in a dress like it was easier to change. It's easier to change diapers if your kid is wearing a dress versus, you know, a pair of pants, or whatever. There were breeches, which were like maybe what the kids would have worn or what the male children would have worn once they got old enough to like go out and work in a field or something like that. Or maybe they wanted to dress more like their fathers after they had uh, grown up to like a certain age. But, you know, for less than 100 years ago, actually, like, any any child was put in a dress, you know, when they were when they were a kid up until around six or seven. They all had long hair because you didn't get your first haircut until around six or seven, stuff like that. And it was always a white dress, you know, because, I mean, it, if colors didn't really come into the picture unless you were wealthy enough to be able to afford certain dyes and everything like that. And then as you know, the industrial revolution starts to spool up and everything becomes more, you know, readily available for cheaper to people then it's like okay the stores were kind of needing a way to get more products sold so they all kind of chose a color like i think uh there's a 1927 issue of time that has like a color chart where they pulled different stores from all across the united states they're like which color is for boys which color is for girls and like it's it's split 
but it's like 60% pink for boys and blue for girls. Like blue was considered like uh, the feminine dainty type of color. Pink was considered a more masculine color because of its association with red. It's like a, a light red. You want to like red is like the, the color of, I don't know, violence and war or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Because we want our babies to be thinking about violence and war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then one, I think it was either advertisement or like a magazine article that was talking about it, trying to settle the debate. And it's, you know, it's just like one dude confidently saying, if you want your child to grow up to be, or you want your male child to grow up to be a confident masculine male, you have to dress them in a confident masculine color like pink. <laughs> and, you know, that, that was it. It's like, oh, okay, well, I want to have a masculine kid, you know. I mean, at the same time, like Teddy Roosevelt, you know, like dude, going around to Africa, killing everything that he possibly could, grew up in a dress, like most likely a white dress. The color had no function in there. Like it wasn't specifying anything. It was literally just a way to sell more product. You know, if you convince the parents that their children are going to be a certain way, aren't going to live up to a certain ideal, unless they have this red dress, then that's going to make you not want to reuse your daughter's blue dress or your daughter's white dress and give that to your sons when like your your brand new sons or whatever you're going to buy more stuff <laughs> and so much of our culture has just been brought into that whole okay well i need to create a need for something like it doesn't matter if you actually need it or not but i can sell more and then that becomes the norm yeah, it's just like it makes you think about how different life would be for so many modern parents today if the children all wore the same clothes <laughs> and they were all white and you could use your OxyBoost to get the stains out and just pass it on to the next one. Like how different would your child children's budget be for wardrobe? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I have a friend that you know, just had another kid and it's like, oh, you know, does anybody have any spare clothes for boys that I can get? <laughs> you know, and they grow out of clothing so quickly, but it's like, you know, you will outgrow a pair of pants much quicker than you will a dress. <laughs> yes. Yes. So when I think about the pink and blue, Obviously, at some point, American culture evolved to like blue being for boys, pink being for girls. And then I guess that carries into adulthood in some strange ways as well. But when I think about like modern times, I'm starting to see more men exploring wearing pink, you know, here in 2023. Um, and I think back and you had some outliers now, you know, acknowledging my music choices, but like Cameron was known for wearing his pink. Yeah, And he got away with that, I feel like, but other people can do that and their masculinity is questioned. And I wonder what there is to that. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like it's, it's a good color. Number one, it goes with a lot of stuff. So I, I used to work in, I used to work at uh, Expressman. I actually loved the job. It was, it was a cool job for me, like way back when I was in college. And um, uh, me and the other guys in the store, like we all decided that we were going to have like pink shirt Friday. So like literally like, we were excited. It was like, yeah, dude, let's, let's all wear pink. So like we would come, like, we would come in wearing like gray slacks and like the, the pink one M X shirt or like pink and khaki and everything. And I remember like all the women walking by, like they were fine. They loved it. And like 
the guys would just have like such animosity for us. They would like walk by and like give us dirty looks. Like I remember one guy walking by, looked into the store, saw us walking around in our PK. He was like, those guys are gay. And he just walks off and like said it just like super loud, like so audibly loud with such disgust. And I was like, dude, it's a color. (laughs) (laughs) It's red with a little white ad in. Like it's not that serious. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't even know how this shirt came to be pink. This could have been a white shirt that I accidentally put in with, you know, some some red jeans or something that got died this way accidentally. The animosity that, that came from that dude was like, why? Like, it, it got so pervasive that, you know, it, it became like this whole social, like social norm of men not wearing this or like not being masculine and manly or, or whatever. And to the point that somebody could get mad at another man for wearing a color. <laughs> yeah. And we're not questioning why are we so upset about someone else's fashion choices to begin with? <laughs> it's just fabric and color and dye and, and garments. It's just like random stuff that you would put on to feel good about yourself. Like who, who really cares? Like it's like, it, it doesn't affect you know, what I'm doing in the world. Like I'm just expressing myself being who I want to be. Which, which everyone should. <laughs> yeah. So I know you've also talked about heels and just the history of that. As somebody who once subscribed to the idea that I didn't look professional if I did not wear my heels for business meetings and things like that. And also work for a company where that was like an expectation of us. <laughs> and I've since let go of that and proudly show up in my sneakers. I was really excited to know that you dug into the history of heels. And I was curious if you could share a bit of what you found. The story with heels is like so interesting. And it goes right back to that whole male flight thing. They were invented because the Persian mounted archers came up with high heels as a way to help keep their feet in their stirs when they were riding horses. And it gave them more stability on horseback when they were shooting their arrows. So it's like, it's a military invention. <laughs> it's, a, it's a military invention for to help you, like, you know, like kill other people on the battlefield, pretty much. You know, I said in the video, I was like, yo, this has to be like the quote unquote manliest reason for like the manliest origin story of any like you know, piece of fashion that we currently still wear. They invent the high heels. Uh, all of the archers, you know, start wearing them and they begin to wear them just as like daily footwear, because if you had a horse, that was a sign of social status. Horses were expensive. So it was a way to flex on everybody else who, you know, was not in your social class. Like, oh, that dude's got heels. You know, they've got, you know, they're much higher status. than me. You could be the worst archer on the field, but, you know, I got a horse. <laughs> And I got these hills. What you going to tell me? Right. One of our members put in the comments, cowboy boots. I love it because it's like, yes, cowboy boots are acceptable. You realize they're still a heel, right? <laughs> cowboy boots like literally are just high heels for men. Like that is one, unless you are putting out cowboy boots specifically to like go ride a horse and like do the cowboy stuff. If you're just wearing them for fashion, it's just high heels for men. That's it. You cannot change my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think you had also like dug into a bit of the the mindsets that come up as people are kind of encountering 
the transition in that history. And also, I feel like we're in a season where maybe people are more open to experimenting with how they dress or how they groom themselves. It's really been like that way, just in general, with a lot of fashion, people just wanting to like dress however they you know, wanted to express themselves or think they're cool or whatever. Um, there's a lot of stuff like with men in general. I mean, you know, our founding fathers wore blush and they powdered their faces and they wore wigs and they would have had like heeled shoes and everything like that. They, you know, they weren't wearing pants. They were wearing tights and all these other things. And like, and that's what you did. That was, that was the norm for me. Like after doing all this research, it, it seems like it almost 100% always comes back to like a male flight thing when the women start to get into it. Like that happened with the high heels. They spread all throughout Europe. Like all of the noblemen were wearing the high heels because like King Louis had a decree that only noblemen could wear heels, <laughs> which is ridiculous in itself. But then like slowly, you know, as as the the public starts to get into them and women start to get into them, all of a sudden men want to have shorter and shorter, shorter heels. Um, I think it's like the late 1800s or something like that when that starts to change. And then like the French Revolution happens and because high heels were associated with those noble people, nobody wanted to wear the high heels. It had nothing to do with you know, them wanting to like express themselves and be cool or thinking high heels were cool. It's just like, oh, Y'all are the people that had your boot on my neck, like in all of my ancestors' necks for years. And like, we don't want to be anything like you. And no, no one who was like aristocratic wanted to associate themselves with those people that the, that the population hated. So like, they go away, but it, it had nothing to do with like people actually wanting to wear them or thinking they were cool or like a cool piece of fashion. It's just interesting to see how things come full circle because I remember not my era, but an era of music I love, but like Prince was always on stage in his heels and had like the crop shirts. And I look back at pictures from that era and was like, you know, as me being somebody who was born in the very late 80s, that would not have been considered acceptable in the communities that I was in in the 90s. And it's like we kind of find little pieces to bring back into trends, but maybe not all of it. Because if you bring all of it back, now it's easy to shop the vintage rack and you have to buy new clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to make a profit off of that. It's actually a little interesting. So um, uh, there's a YouTuber, um, FD Signifier, that mentioned, I forget what the video uh, he was making was about, where there was like a lot more forms of male expression like from like the 70s and the 80s where you know where you had like your princes and you had like you know some of the like some of the disco guys and everything else where they would you know be more androgynous and just like wear like more stuff that's like a little a little bit more out there stuff that you wouldn't normally associate men with wearing today especially when it comes to black men specifically and then hip hop happens and hip hop has been <laughs> pretty like misogynistic almost since its inception and you just did not have that in hip hop you had like outliers like Andre 3000 but like 
for the most part, specifically with black men, black expression, black male expression, it was all like, yo, we wearing <laughs> like big ass shirts and like sagging jeans and like, and that's it. It's like, we ain't, we ain't doing no rhinestones. We ain't doing no heels. We ain't doing, and it's kind of sad because there was just so much color and fun happening before then. And then just everything just kind of got stunted. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is like, even when you mentioned the big ass shirt, if you go back and look at like the late nineties, early two thousands, I believe it was the shirts were so long that they kind of were dresses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you're really going to think about it, it'd be the equivalent of buying like a sleep dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were. It's like, <laughs> we were just going outside wearing a slip <laughs> and <laughs> You know, coming all the way down to your knees and stuff like that. I remember that era too. It's like everybody had to get like a triple X shirt. It's like, why? Why am I swimming in this shirt? You know, and now it's you know come back around to okay. Uh, I need to melt. I need to wear something that fits me. You know, I want to show how physically fit I am. <laughs> that stuff does happen. Like the trends change. You know, you see something really cool. Everybody starts emulating it. But it's interesting going into like the things with you know. With the color, like that was manufactured. That was a manufactured social norm, like through capitalism. That wasn't like, it wasn't Mamie Eisenhower's love of pink that made everybody love pink. It was like, it was stores trying to get people to buy pink or to buy blue specifically for like the different genders. So it's like crisscross is wearing everything, you know, backwards. It's like, that was a style for like a, for like, for like a hot minute. And it's easily traceable. Like, oh, dude, so I'm, I'm going to wear everything backwards. That's cool. That's dope. But like crisscross, not wearing pink, that had nothing to do with a style choice that they made. That had everything to do with somebody trying to sell women pink stuff. I would love to know if there's anything that you found that surprised you as you've been doing some of this research. Um, Not really, no. It's like the only thing that really surprised me were the dresses. I I did not expect to see, you know, former presidents of the United States in dresses and like just all these old pictures of little boys in dresses. Actually, there is something else, uh, something that has to do with language, because like this one, I didn't even know until I started researching this. And I found it in like a, a gender spenders article where like the term boys um it's like relatively new like we didn't ref we, we didn't refer to little boys little male children as boys boy was a derogatory term so like all boys were called girls or nave girls like using the term boys to describe male children is relatively new and uh as far as our society and culture goes interesting so are you saying that boys and girls were be both being referred to as girls yeah, yeah. You would you would see a group of children playing and say, look at the girl playing. And if you specifically in, in rare circumstances where you specifically wanted to refer to the male children, like because remember children, we like we didn't really assign gender to children like until they were around six or seven. Like you would say, like you would call them a knave girl, but you would still use the term girl. Interesting. <laughs> That's new information to me. <laughs> What have you found that has like supported you and like consistently showing up to have conversations that 
I think maybe breaking people's brains a little bit, or they might not be comfortable with receiving the information in full transparency. Part of why I asked that is because like I witnessed a comment, someone saying <laughs> that the devil was like trying to destroy us through you. I'm like what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I made the video about like the, the dresses and the pink and blue, everything like I had one person be like a string of comments like oh you're not gonna find any black people like the black people weren't doing this blah blah blah. like there there were like i found pictures like but the thing is like from that era the pictures that you're gonna see of like black children i just didn't want to show them like they, you know it's like black children and they're just like super depressing again the slave era and but it's like they did too they wore like you know like a potato sack, like the male children, like all the children were in like a potato sack dress, basically. And this is as the boys aged to an appropriate size to put on, you know, a pair of breechers. That's what they wore. I could go in on that guy and their comments because it's like coming from a ridiculous, uneducated spot of just like pro science. And but at the same time, like, I don't want to put that image out there. You know, uh, like I feel like um i don't know it's like yeah there's that one i had so many people all mention the same comment about like some drag queens twerking on children like so i actually looked it up because like so many people all said like drag queen twerking on children like that like specific phrase or a form of that phrase like so it all stemmed from there was some cocktail bar in texas that had like a drag show and it was it was clearly like marketed as like an adult thing they had originally in their uh in their promotional materials like you know if you bring a minor they have to be accompanied by an adult just like going to see an Ari and like in the show like there is one drag queen they had tights and everything so it wasn't like they were exposing themselves or anything to children and somebody recorded it and just like uh someone put it on twitter and the whole like super conservative mafia got to it and it's like and it's like drag queens are going around twerking on children and it's like dude that's not that's so not what happened it's like literally somebody took their kid to an adult themed drag show and they saw something that you didn't think was appropriate that was the parent's decision not yours and it also sounds like that was one situation one person not plural <laughs> Yeah, it's a fight because everybody thinks that like I'm trying to groom their kids or something like that by pointing out the history. <laughs> like, dude, like this is literally history. Also, have people argue with me about like, oh, those weren't dresses; those are christening dresses. I'm like, dude, I showed you the same dude multiple times in a dress. <laughs> like, you only get christened once. That's that's <laughs> odd. But even still in the dresses thing, like we still put men, like we still put like little boys in christening dresses. Um, when I went to, uh, I happened to be in England, like, uh, like a decade ago and my little cousin got christened and my aunt made his christening dress out of her wedding dress. That's still a thing that goes on. It's completely, you know, acceptable. Praying on parents' hope for their children has been like a tool of advertisers for years like we've got you know we've got our current situation with i don't want my kid to not learn xyz in school like even though it's like actual history that they should learn 
And then you've got, oh, I need to put my kid in this type of clothing or my kid can't wear this type of color or my little boy can't have a shirt that has a rainbow on it. That's a whole other play on it. It's it's so many so many different ways to play on people's fear or, you know, hope for their kids or whatever. And it's just like, stop. <laughs> like some, some of this, so this stuff has just come from people wanting to sell a product. When you really break it down, it seems like so much of what we're discussing goes back to capitalism. Capitalism and power, right? When I think about that whole, like this red was originally this, or this garment was made or the shoe was made. It was also about power and control. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Given some of the things that you've experienced, like what would you say to someone else who is creating content that may be getting some resistance or kickback from others to kind of encourage them to keep showing up? So number one, blocking the self-care. <laughs> For the longest time, I refused to block anyone. And then I stopped doing that at the beginning of this year because I was like, you know what? Um, <laughs> I just can't deal with, like, not specifically because it affects me, but it will it will take away from other stuff that I might want to do. For example, genuine questions that make me, like, want to, that will push me to make, like, and expend my resources, making like some other video responding to them instead of something else that I want to make. I just try to brush it off and just like make what I want to make. Cause like, you're going to reach the audience that you need to reach that you want to reach. Um, someone left me a comment once when I was talking about my nails, uh, they said something like, Oh, like you were bothered because you made this video responding to this comment. And I made another video responding to that comment. I was like, Hey, look, that video is not for you. I am not talking to you in that video. I'm making this video for somebody that does see that and says, oh, you know what? It's cool to paint my nails. It's totally fine to, to have long nails or whatever, to you know, dress however I want to dress. You know, I'm not talking to you. I'm not trying to reach you. I don't care whether or not you like the video. You know, It's not about you. So my advice would just be, Remember who your audience is. Remember who you're making videos for, making content for, whatever. Remember, you know, remember who you're putting on high heels and, and pink dresses for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're the, they're the important ones, you know, not the people that are going to give you, like, all the bullshit comments. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really grounding and, like, not being, as you've said, you've said it best, not being afraid to be yourself and show up as that. People really feel a certain type of way when somebody is unbothered you know, it's like by just living their lives out in the world because they don't conform to what they think their standard is. Not even knowing that their entire standard could be based off of somebody someday that just had an idea to that, that helped them sell like more dresses to kids. Like, oh, we can double our inventory if we just get people to believe in this color thing. And now that is that is so many people's ideology wrapped up in that that somebody is gonna like loudly announce to an entire mall that I'm gay because I have a pink shirt on. <laughs> yeah, um, the capitalism is real. Like I noticed even the shift in like earrings and how I have some diamond studs that I've had for like a long time, but witnessing how diamond studs are being sold to men and they look different. They're these bigger, like blinged out and it's a bunch of smaller diamonds 
because now you can't like share diamond earrings with your partner. He has to have these other kind. It's like, what is happening when it comes to the opportunity that we're taking to just make more money and stuff and sell more things, the consumerism. Exactly. I remember the the change before too, because first it was like never acceptable for men to have earrings. And then like Jordan made that possible for like a lot of people because he had the one earring. Like, okay, you get one ear pierced. You know, it's got to be the left ear because you get the right ear pierced. Or, like it means you're gay or something like that. Or you can't have both ears pierced. Like, I remember that whole conversation going on. I, don't, I can't even remember which side you were supposed to have the earring on. It's like the dumbest thing in the world, right? Like, then it's like, oh, okay, we can have these. All right, cool. We got to figure out a way to sell people male earrings so that it doesn't take away from the female earrings so we can make more money. (laughs) So I would love to know if there's any action that you think you would want someone to take or ponder on from this conversation. Do what makes you happy. Like, wear what makes you happy. I used to work in a cell phone store. Uh, we had this one older gentleman that came in that was wearing like a, a set of high heels and like happiest dude ever, <laughs> like just out there living his life made, he made uh, a couple people that I worked with uncomfortable. Like, like this dude is happy. Don't let anybody shame you into not feeling happy for just being who you are. That's, that's my actual item, which is difficult, which is psychologically difficult. It's hard for me to do that every day. It's like, yo, why? But yeah, like just, just go out there and express yourself and remember that, you know, someone might need to see you express yourself so that they know that they can express themselves. Thank you so much for sharing that. One thing that I do want to share with you is that witnessing you express yourself and doing this research, which has, it's not necessarily directly related to African-American English. And at the same time, um, it's been so powerful to witness and I've learned so much in this process. So thank you for going down the rabbit holes that excite (laughs) you um, and also taking the time and the care to bring that information back to so many people. I know we didn't get to talk about it in detail today, but even your video that went into the history of drag shows and how that is very different than I think people may have given them the story of. It's just information that people need to know right now. Thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to come on and do this. So thank you for that. Well, I can't wait to chat with you further in the community. And I know we're probably going to have other interviews about plenty to talk about. (laughs) But in the meantime, thank you for being here today. Right on. Thank you, EK. You can find links to all things mentioned, including how to keep in touch with EK, our guest, by visiting flauntyourfire.com and checking out the episode article. The Flaunt Your Fire podcast is brought to you by the wonderful brand that I co-founded, Pause on the Play. You can learn more about Pause on the Play's community, workshops, and implicit explicit values by visiting pauseontheplay.com. Again, that's pauseontheplay.com. Until next time, keep flaunting your fire. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. 
whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business. It can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?